We're starting today a two-week sermon series on God's purposes for our lives. It kind of echoes some of the themes that we've been exploring in our discipleship orientation classes, uh, which I've uh, in, uh, called purposeful living. And we've been focusing in those uh, or disciple orientation classes on four G words, gather and grow, give and go in mission, uh, that we gather for weekly worship and community. We grow through daily prayer, through Bible reading and regular Christian education. We give of our time and talent and treasure, and we go in mission by sharing Christ and serving others. Now, these are all important purposes that we're called to live out. But it, it struck me the other day that if we put the emphasis on us... And, you know, on what we're doing, like I shared with the, with the kids, uh, then we can end up turning Christianity into a religion. You know, something that we do, things that we do to try and get God on our side. You know, we, we start to think, oh, if I just do these things, if I just get my stuff together and, you know, I'm, I'm in worship and read the Bible and, you know, and pray and, and do these things then God will bless me and give me what I want. That's what religion is about. It's trying to get God on your side or trying to achieve, you know, climb some sort of spiritual ladder. But being a Christian is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living Lord. It's not just following a set of teachings or obeying a set of rules but following a person. We're becoming more and more like Jesus, not by what we do, but by what God does in us. God is the one who gathers us. God gives the growth. God gives to and through us. And God sends us to go in mission just as he sent Jesus and sends the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purposes for his creation. So if we need to put the emphasis on what God is doing rather than on what we are doing, then perhaps we need to start with a different G word, the word grace. One way to think about grace is think of it as an acronym, gifts we receive and cannot earn. God calls us to grace-filled living. In Greek, the, the language in which the New Testament was written, the word for grace is charis, or karin, uh, which translates as gift. Uh, if you know someone named Karen, that's where her name comes from, gift. God's grace comes as sheer gift. I want to ask you, what, what's a significant gift that you have been given? Something that you did not buy or earn you know, by working, but some, some significant gift that just landed in your lap. Your family. Yeah, what else? Your spouse. Spouse, family, kids, what else? What, what other gifts have just kind of come your way? Your health, absolutely. 
faith. Yeah, faith is a gift. Uh, it's not, you, you don't just wake up someday and go, you know, I think I'm going to believe in, in Jesus and follow him today. <laughs> you come to that point because of a whole bunch of little things that happen. Uh, different ways that God's word comes to you. All kinds of different. God is, you know, uh, today in, in the disciple orientation class, Roger said, you can't outgive God. You just can't. Uh, God sustains everything, created everything, gives us everything that we need from day to day. Uh, even that last breath you just took, that last beat of your heart, that's all gift. So the most, I, I'd say the most significant gifts that God gives us are relationships, our family, our friends, and most of all, our relationship with him. Gifts that we too often take for granted. Well, what do you do? Uh, choir, I'm going to pick on you this time. Uh, what do you guys do to say thank you when somebody gives you a gift? Come on, don't all speak at once. <laughs> Okay, so maybe you uh, return in kind, like if they've, you know, thrown a nice dinner for you, maybe you throw a nice dinner for them. Okay, what else? Write a thank you note. You enjoy the gift, absolutely. You don't just set it aside and say, thank you. you So so you you give them a thanks by returning the gift or, uh, you know, in, in another way or by saying thank you in person or writing a thank you note, all of those things are ways that we show thanks to other people. Now, one of the reasons that we gather for weekly worship is to thank God together, to show our gratitude and our appreciation. And there's lots of other reasons that we gather for worship, of course. We gather to give God glory. We gather to receive God's word, to get power, forgiveness, a fresh start, new energy, new encouragement for the day. And we also gather to connect with God and to connect with other Christians. We gather for worship and we gather for community with other Christians. In Acts 2, which Tom read earlier, we heard about what the first Christians did after Peter had spoken the message. 3,000 people came to faith in one day. That's like all of Story City coming to faith in Jesus in one day. And they, they, they gathered together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God, and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day they worshiped together. They ate in their homes together. They celebrated the Lord's Supper by lifting up the bread and the wine. They, they took care of one another so that no one was in need. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were coming to faith. They're Love for Jesus and for one another was so infectious that other people were drawn to it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, eating together, and prayer. They listened to those who had sat at Jesus' feet. 
They heard the stories of what Jesus had done and taught and put his kingdom message into practice in their lives. They grew in their faith through daily prayer, through daily Bible reading, and through regular Christian education. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They searched the scriptures together. And they prayed for one another. Now, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, you know, I was in church every Sunday, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer every night before going to bed. But the very first time that I prayed out loud with other people without using a written or set prayer was in college. It wasn't until then. Uh, I, I had a group of friends who would get together at least once a week to pray for the college and for uh, each other. It wasn't a part of any official organized campus ministry, and frankly, it was probably better because of that. Uh, we, we just found we needed that time together. We felt like our faith was always under attack, even at a church-sponsored college. So we'd get together to talk about what was going on in our lives. Someone would maybe bring a guitar, we'd sing a couple of simple songs, somebody else would read a little scripture that came to mind, and then we'd pray. We'd, we'd hold hands. Sometimes we'd go around the circle. Um, other times we, you know, it was more like popcorn prayer, like whoever wanted to pray would. Uh, and, and then we always spent time uh, praying for other people. You know, it, it took me a while to get used to praying without written words or a set prayer like the Lord's Prayer. But eventually I found it was just talking to God out loud about what was on my heart. Everyone else just listened to whoever was praying. Sometimes you'd maybe hear a little, yes, Lord, or thank you, Jesus. Uh, we'd, we'd take turns having the, the group pray for us individually for whatever struggles we were going through, whatever needs we had, whatever we were thankful for. We'd gather around and put a hand on the person as we prayed. Praying together connected us to each other and to God in amazing ways. It gave us strength and grounding and guidance. You see, we all need guidance in our lives. We need GPS for our lives, not global positioning, but godly friends, prayer, and scripture. The Bible isn't a road map that shows us every twist and turn in our lives, but it points us in the right direction. And when we let Scripture shape our prayers, then our prayers have direction. We just finished a sermon series on taking a trip through God's Word, uh, using Martin Luther's prayer pattern as a, a simple acronym. Let's, let's see if you remember. So the T, what does the T stand for? What in this verse makes you... Thankful, exactly. Giving thanks to God for what you hear in that verse. The R stands for, yeah, regret or repent. Uh, what in this verse gives you cause to, to pause, to say I'm sorry or I've fallen short, and, and to repent of that, to turn away from that. What does the I stand for? Intercession, you remember it. Very good. To intercede. What does this verse lead you to 
to pray for, for yourself or for others. And then what was the last one? The P stands for? Not praise, but purpose. Yes. What purpose does this verse give for my life, uh, for this day? What might God want you to do in response? Of course, you know, the best way to learn how to pray is simply to pray. (laughs) Uh, To invite God into every corner of your life. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let prayer and thanks and joy flow like a river through you. Um, when you're driving, you need to stay aware of what's going on around you. Uh, you, you drive most safely when you remove all the distractions. When um, you, know, you, you make sure that your phone is turned off, you're not trying to talk on it or, or text while you're driving. Good grief, don't do that. Put it down. It can wait. Uh, getting rid of distraction, it, it's the same thing with prayer. You know, when you want to pray, it's hard to get rid of the distractions. Um, it's, it seems just then, when you're just going to sit down and pray or when you're going to open up God's Word, right then, the phone rings. Or the kids get in arguments, or the baby cries, or you just get that unsettled feeling that there's something that you need to do right away if you can just remember what it is. And by the time you remember what it is, then you've completely forgotten. You've, like the kids said, neglect your Bible, forget to pray. And you start to shrink, shrink, shrink. Do you think those distractions are accidents? Or is there something or someone who doesn't want you praying or reading your Bible and will do, you, do anything to keep you distracted, disengaged, and drowsy. When you're driving a long ways on the road, especially at night, it can be difficult to keep awake and alert. And you, you can turn up the music if nobody else is sleeping in the car. You can roll down the window a little bit to uh, you know, get some fresh air, eat a snack, drink some coffee or some Mountain Dew. But the best way to stay awake is to, or sometimes you'll pull into a rest stop if you're getting really, you know, starting to nod, and, and get out, and stretch your legs, get some fresh air, look at the map, get reoriented. But the best way to stay awake is to talk to somebody. Good conversation engages your heart and your mind and keeps you alert and energized. If you think about it, worship has all of those elements. Music, rest, and fresh air for your soul. A chance to stretch your legs. You ever wonder why we have you stand up and sit down so often during worship? There's an actual physical connection to staying alert and uh, internalizing what you're hearing. We share, so, we share some coffee and snacks and conversations. It's a chance to get to stretch your mind and your heart. Individual devotions and prayer are great. But there's something about worship and prayer with other people that can take things a whole lot deeper. 
In the book of Hebrews, the author says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Apparently they had people who skipped church back then too. Our gathering and growing isn't just on Sunday. It spills over into our lives every day. Out of gratitude and thanks for God's gifts of grace, we offer ourselves everything that we have and are in worship to God and service to our neighbors. Next week, we will look at two more G words for grace-filled living, give and go in mission. Let's pray using that, uh, that trip pattern in that scripture that we read earlier from Philippians. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us peace that passes all understanding. Lord, thank you for the, the gift of being able to come to you in prayer. Lord, we regret that so often we neglect that. We neglect coming to you together, reading your word, praying together. So, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to nudge us back to you, to pick up your word, to pray together, to not be anxious about our lives, but to give all of that to you. Lord, let your peace fill our lives and send us out to share it with others. We ask these things in Jesus' name.